Hey, 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 hey. Good evening, brothers. Hey. How's it going? Get your popcorn ready. Welcome to SSB. I am Peacock filling in for Alex tonight. Is Bogey next or is it me? No, go ahead. I'm just keeping it in order. Nelson, go ahead, Tyler. Nelson Tyler's here in Hollywood. Happy to see everybody on this uh, November 7th. Yeah. Yeah. And it is I. J-Lo's ex-husband. What? Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, they used to call us J-Bo. You know, you heard of Benifer? Yeah, they used to call us J-Bo. Hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And Peacock, I do have my popcorn's popping right now, by the way, guys. Oh, yeah. A little late, but it's coming. I'm saving mine for Act 2, but uh, I got my popcorn ready. It's here hanging on the side. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Kind of got a little muffled there, too, uh, Peacock. Got a little like the my is it still on 10? Am I on 10 yet? Is that better? No, uh, we, we got way further. What? That's so weird. Okay, hey, is that better? Now you're good. There you go. There he is. Oh, okay, maybe my wires are loose or something. Y'all let me know if that happens again. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Well, we are moving forward with the cell tonight on SSB. So thank you guys for joining us. It's going to be a delicious psychological thriller with a uh mastermind serial killer of some sorts not necessarily a mastermind but we are getting into the mind of the serial killer in this movie so are you guys familiar with uh with the director at all no no i'm i actually i'm not i usually whenever we do these movies too i usually go down that rabbit hole and i didn't because i was just like i've seen this movie a million times and i i threw it on again and i was just tripped out again because like it's just it's just one of those ones like it's crazy no, I, I hear that. Yeah, um, I think I had seen it maybe less than a year ago with my wife. I was like, hey, have you ever seen this movie? And she was like, no. So I was like, oh, we got to watch it. And uh, yeah, we had a great, uh, great experience. She was uh, pleasantly surprised. But uh, yeah, the director, his name is Tarsim Singh, and he is Indian of descent. And he's, uh, he's not known for anything really major outside of this movie. He did do uh, the Hold On music video from En Vogue. Uh, he also directed the oh, yeah. REM "Losing My Religion" video. Oh shit, and that's a that's a trippy video. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. and his most recent one when he got back into that's the one where videos. they got like the crosses on fire too, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 I used to love REM. That Monster album yeah. was awesome. That's me in the corner. Yeah. That's, that's me the in the spot. Light. Losing my religion. So he did direct that uh, that music video, and he recently returned with Lady Gaga's 911. But um, his his movie uh, career uh, in 2006, he directed The Fall, which is supposedly another beautifully uh, visually striking movie. I need to check that one out. I'm not too familiar with it. Yeah, in 2008. Yeah, in 2011, it's, it seemed like there was some good uh, reviews online. Uh, and in 2011, The Immortals, not really familiar with that either. The Marvels uh, one? Oh, no. Not no, the no, Marvels no. one. Immortals. This is 2011. So it's just regular. Oh, Immortals. that's the Eternals. My bad. Oh. Totally, <laughs> totally was off there. Continue, continue. Uh, sure, sure. And then in 2015, a movie called Selfless with a slash in there. And I think that's about a billionaire who's going to die and he's trying to transport his brain or body or consciousness into like a younger body or another body. So that one, right. Selfless. So that one, I got to kind of check out or whatever, but yeah. uh, Directed by. Tripped out cat, man. 
Tarsim Singh, yeah. And, and so if you look into his commercial uh, history, like the shooting commercials, just tons and tons and tons of commercials from spanning I mean, from Pepsi to did he come from Bollywood? What? Is he of the Bollywood elk? Is that because you know I'm not too sure. He was born, I think, in the in the early '60s. Uh, so I'm not I'm not too sure on his history as, as to how he got into directing or filming. But it, it looks like he he got his foot in the door primarily through commercials because there's a whole list of commercials under his credit there for for directorial purposes. Wow, but, so he um, was about so he was about late '30s ish when he did this movie. Yeah. Yeah, and he got to work with uh, cast of characters now. So uh, this movie came out in the year 2000. Uh, I think the first time I saw this movie, I had recently bought a home theater system or gotten one for Christmas in the year 2000. So it was probably a few, few months in. And maybe yeah. that summer when I bought the DVD, it probably went straight to DVD, or if I'm not mistaken, because it didn't. It wasn't re- uh, acclaimed very highly in the, in the yeah. reviews uh, section. You, the only person- she was hot. She was one of the hottest things going. At the time, well, she had oh, just yeah. she had just been uh, Selena and uh, yeah, and Anaconda, right? Yeah. So she was coming like, off of that. She, she was uh, spreading Ice her Cube, wings yeah. out because you know, what I mean, on on some on some acting shit, you know, what I mean, like kind of, uh, you know, what I mean, like because it was it was it, it was a different role, you know, as as opposed to like after this, her like crazy string of rom coms, you know, what I mean, right? Yeah, I think. Oh, so. and then yeah. sprinkled enough, enough in there. Yeah, so this is yeah. right at the turn of the the millennia there, the Y two K. Uh, time zone so uh, right on the cusp of this movie still being able to stand the test of time and not you know kind of while it's pushing the boundaries here if you go back it's you know 23 years later it still kind of holds up as far as and I think we're talking about it before the concept uh, for the or the premise for the movie as well as some of the CGI work so I think it's beautifully done and there's a lot of artistic references that even when you pointed out the fact that uh when you first when you watched it at home and you had the 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 surround sound system because the way they pan everything like when they're in the dream when they're not in the dream when they're in his mind you know what i mean like oh yeah when she's in the desert there yeah like the sound the the audio in this in this shit is uh what do they call the scores in here are are trippy correct yeah yeah it it is real quick yeah yeah It nice. bounced off in the background, and we'll still premise this right before we jump into to Act One. But yeah, so so in the cast, the characters, this J Lo probably catches your attention. She's on most of the covered uh, artwork, and let's let's uh, this is a good time to see if we can bring in. Uh, how do I do this? See if we can bring in some of the artwork that I plan to show some of the viewers who are, get a chance to to look at some of this stuff. If you're not too familiar with this movie, I, I drawn together a few uh, slides to share with you. And just so you can get an idea of what uh, what this director was going for artistically, I suppose, and um, and they, I think it was acclaimed for a lot of the the makeup and the visual effects as well. For, came up for some awards or, or later on, but it's crazy because like I, I, I watched I watched this in the theaters as a kid. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Nice. I remember yeah. when it came out. I didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the, my first experience with it was oh, via DVD like right after it, uh, right after it was released to DVD. But I knew about it. I don't recall seeing it in theaters uh, from, you know, from what I can remember. But it was a favorite in my house with a bunch of my friends all throughout high school, Uh, you know. So, but uh, I don't want to get too much away. I remember like, uh, (laughs) it was like a thing, like. uh, Her love don't cost a thing. Oh, oh, I see what you did there. You know what I mean? I mean, that came out in 2002, actually. she's. You yeah, know, probably did. Here, she's uh, what, what is she in here? She's a. I mean, we we'll, we'll get into it, but but you yeah, remember the suit though? You know what I mean? Like, that oh, was yeah, like yeah. a little thing. 
we'll get into we'll get into some of that right now but uh yeah there's some de- definitely some good things in in this movie uh but yeah we'll, we'll get into that in a second so uh, we'll go ahead and jump right in opening scene we get like some desert landscape skies blue uh pinkish reddish sand dunes all over the place panning all over it looks it looks uh pleasant it doesn't look like scorching hot but it does look barren um you see a figure walking basically right uh through the desert in this in this sequence and so uh as we continue to to move forward the she's uh i guess you know j-lo or this character you know you finally see that it's her she's actually riding a, a black horse and she's wearing yeah, what, what's her white. name in here again catherine catherine yeah, catherine, no. catherine, catherine catherine dean yeah catherine yeah, dean yeah so there's like this kind of native wind instruments and like drums beating in the background, giving you like this kind of, uh, it's like a, a weird kind of sense. Like, is like, is this, is this really happening or, or where is she kind of thing? So mm-hmm. new line cinema kind of pops out and you get all the, all the credits and everything going on, but you know, uh, classic, classic movie, uh, intro, you get kind of get drawn in. Like I said, with all the, uh, the, the, the imagery right away the, the, the contrasting colors her riding on the horse it's like a black a back a stallion or whatever you know and it gets kind of eerie you're like what's going on here you know she arrives at uh she finally gets to a point where she can she can stop right uh, at, the, at the base of like this sand dune that she begins to climb and and she stops and she looks back at, at the stallion and it's now become like this figurine statue yeah it's great so now we know yeah, now we know we're like, okay, what what the hell's going on here? Are we are we really uh, you know, in in some place or or is this something else? And what was your first impression, uh, Nelson, what when you saw the the horse when she looks back and it's no longer it's no longer moving? Well, I was for sure we're in we're in his head cuz uh I think Bogey gave me the heads up uh, you gave me the synopsis of what the movie was about. And I remember when it came out actually, but I never went to see it until I saw it uh, this morning. And that's when I knew that um, I kind of looked three times at it. I was like, that horse thing not moving. <laughs> I kept looking at it. But yeah, I go, okay, now we're in his head. So I knew that we were in his head there or some dream sequence or something. Right. And then we're going to yeah, go yeah. like further from there. Yeah. So I kind of expect, well, I didn't expect that. Yeah, we're, I, we're in some, I, type I of all, some type of non-reality. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the you know I think that's what it should tell you right away. It's probably it's probably why you know it's put there in the first place. So just to kind of give the viewer a sense of okay, we're not in your normal typical setting of whatever this. This isn't a normal desert that we're right. in. That's not you know there there aren't normal things happening here. We're the, the we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah, so the, the rules are being broken. She just starts in the middle of nowhere, just walking in the desert, like or uh, on the horse, like that. So, yeah, she is in the middle of nowhere. She's riding that that black stallion for quite a while, mm-hmm. and then, like I said, she finally reaches a, a dune, and it's there's a shaded side of the dune, and there's a tree growing from there. And there's a lot of uh, little references to these trees kind of growing in the in the desert. I'm not sure as to why really but um i guess maybe there's a lot of references it's like an oasis maybe it's like like an oasis type of like a reference to water right yeah i was gonna say there's probably a reference to water there's a lot of reference to water in this movie Mm -hmm. um and and so anyhow she's you know climbing this gigantic dune now she's traveling without a horse you know we're still in the opening credits and you see she's traveled a great distance her footsteps are you know all the way up that thing and uh she she uh 
you don't know where she's going. You know, the credits are rolling here and you're kind of just like, okay, what the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you see a shimmering kind of light, maybe like a reflection from a, some sort of mirror or a shiny object off in the yeah. distance. And so, you know, she continues to walk in that direction. The, the music's going in and out. They're still doing the same intro stuff here, but you know, the music starts to intensify and it's getting, you know, she's getting closer to the object and, all of a sudden, boom, you know, the music stops and then it's bare and empty, you know, area with just some trees. And then all of a sudden we see the source of the light. And what do we see, Bogart, is the source of that light? Oh, man. It's a, uh, I'll give you a hint. It's, it's, uh, it's her patient. Oh, yeah, that's life. right. A boy. Yeah, that's it's right. It's boy. Fucking the young, the, uh, what's his name? Stafford? Stafford? Edward. Edward, Edward, yeah. Edward. No, but what's the last name? Stutter. Oh, I, I, I don't know his his last name. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, little young little Edward. There you go. <laughs> yeah, is it? Oh, yeah, but, but, Ed, yeah, I didn't realize too. That is kind of hey, symbolic because he's yeah, he's shining right now. That's the little one, little piece of innocence, right, right out the gate. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a, a area where it used to be. Uh, it looks like water, and it, everything's dried out, and all the trees are dead, and he's hanging by a log, and they were supposed to go sailing uh apparently that day she comes up to to this young guy and she's like hey and she introduces him how's it going thanks for the horse because she apparently he gave her um the horse to ride you know ride there and find him uh and so uh she's like i thought we were going sailing today and he's you know all bummed out and kind of weird and you know freaking out and obviously you know there's no water around and uh, yeah you know oh, that's he, right oh yeah looks, then they got the boat that's why you get to the boats yeah, so there's a, there's a shipwreck like, boat, right? She's like, you promised, and he uh, so he looks, and it's like a shipwreck boat, and the music's kind of sharp, and then you know he looks in another direction, you see like a little, a little play ship instead, because the the boat's wrecked, and the whole area where they're at is barren, so they'll take the little boat and pretend to go sailing mm-hmm. instead, yeah, and he's obviously conjuring these things within his mind, right? And then he's like, well, it's broken, so we can't even do that, and she's like, well, who says it's broken, Edward? You know. He's like Mocky Lock, and then he's like Mocky Lock's the boogeyman, and she's like, you know, what's all this Mocky Lock uh, nonsense, you know? And she's like, he can't hurt you, and all this stuff, and we can fix it. And then she picks up the the boat, and she like, you know, looks, and then you hear this weird noise in the background, and she gets kind of, you know, weirded out or whatever, and she's like Edward. And she turns around, and his face is all crazy. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so demonic. <laughs> yeah what did you guys think about about that uh you know because the music jumps up and turns around and you see this uh demonic looking little little kid uh getting a little grudge set. boy and, and you're freaking out a little bit because you know first of all you're like who the hell's mocky lock you're like mucky lock doesn't want me to have fun or doesn't want us to go sailing or you know whatever it is so um what was your uh, impression of that and then leading up to you know the the sharp reveal of of the kid's uh inner scary side i suppose shit God, trippy sorry yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like especially like uh you know because you're you're kind of you're held captive right out the gate you're like what the fuck's going on and then then that's that first kind of jump scare you know what i mean i guess you yeah, could say and, right and there's there a whoa shit like yeah this, this movie's about to be some shit bro and like i didn't <laughs> i remember even the first time i ever watched it like in the theater you know what i mean it's like it's like because people they didn't really build this movie to be like a horror movie you know what i mean but it, it basically is you know what i mean it's scary it's this shit's scary you know what i mean right and so like after that the, the, i guess you could say it's a sci-fi suspense 
It was alarming. Correct. Yeah, there's a lot of little uh, jump scare moments, I think, and uh, alarming things that are brought to our attention in the movie right mm. off the bat. And so it kind of keeps you on your toes and you're like, this is cool. Uh, you know, there's some interesting tidbits as far as, uh, as like we said, we already saw the visual aspect of it. We saw uh, some good stuff going on with the score. We heard that. And then a couple of jump scares and some CGI stuff. So right off the bat in the first, you know, five, ten minutes of the movie. Yeah, again, I wouldn't watch this one on that. <laughs> it's definitely not a good one for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not watching that one on streams ever. <laughs> did you know that that when you watched it, did you know that you were inside of that guy's uh, that boy's mind when uh, he produced the boats and then um no, somehow, well two no. boats. It's you on know? the rewatch. It's on the rewatch where I, I I get I'm getting you know that information right second or third yeah. time I watch it. So hey, what's up, crispy? Uh, what up, what's going on? Tino, what that? Most um, guys. Oh yeah, so I was I was gonna say I knew right away that um that's what that was because I've been dream I've been dreaming since I was a kid. I remember dreams every night, and I know that that when you you can uh, if you need something real quick, you I've done this in my dreams. I said, oh, I need oh, a, yeah. a knife or something. There's an intruder. Boom! I had a knife in my hand. Boom! Right. That's tight. Perfect. And, and here cool. is because it's the dream world is a it's a very electrical place. The Earth is more magnetic, so things manifest slower. So when you're up in an electrical realm, you can manifest things quicker. Ooh, to what you need, like in the dream state, right? That's very that's how I knew. I knew right away what 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 they were doing. That's crazy. Nice. Yeah, my alley. I always had dreams where I'm flying and shit, and yeah, like, that's a and, dream. and I'm, always, and I'm always flying over. Uh, I'm always flying like my old over my old neighborhood, and it's crazy. Yeah, I fly like, over cities too. Yeah. I'm always flying That's over cool. my old like like uh, there's this elementary school that I used to live by that I that I went to called Millbrook and I'm always flying over that field and flying over my old neighborhood and I see oh, yeah. my old house and but it's like but I'm but it's it's that time though you know what I mean like I'm not yeah. you know it's not like I'm seeing it in present day like I'm it's you know what I mean yeah you're back in that moment yeah it's a trip yeah I don't remember a lot of my dreams I don't know why that is but um that's interesting. <laughs> You know what though? Um, if you do a lot, if you do psychedelics periodically, that'll that'll kickstart the pineal gland all the time. You know what I mean? You gotta keep that yeah, thing I need, active. I need to get on that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope the crew out there is uh, is on that with us right now. That way, they're getting really, really worked up for this movie. We've just opened it up. If you're just joining us, so uh, after uh, our J Lo character Catherine uh, sees that. She gets a little freaked out. She hits a little square that's on the inside of her palm mm -hmm. between her finger and her thumb. And that initiates yep. some sort of like awakening sequence to remove her from pulls her out of the joint. Yeah. Yeah. That removes her from the consciousness of her patient. And we find out that she is a some sort of uh, therapist who's in the mind of a comatose patient here. And that's who the little boy is. And, and we'll get into the, I guess, a little bit more of these type of uh, schizophrenia and virus that they're talking about on a, uh, later on here, but they, they do mm -hmm. mention it just shortly. But uh, getting right back into it, the science team there around her in the lab uh, initiates the awakening process, and Edward's parents are kind of brought in, and they they want they are asked if they want to move the boy to you know a different uh, location because they're not really trusting this experimental type of um, mm -hmm. uh, therapy or therapy. whatever it is. Yeah, right. Just treatment, whatever you want to call it, yeah. It's because this is definitely some fucking cutting edge, uh, 
uh, uh, what do they call that shit? Like technology, I mean, I guess. Yeah, but you know, when you have those like side projects that are like, you know, they need funds and shit, they need funded. You know what I mean? What do they call it? Well, it's just testing. It's a like it's in beta. Yeah, there you go. Testing these aren't. This ain't even fucking like. This ain't FDA approved type of shit. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, it's experimental. Alternative shit. There you go. There you go. Yeah, alternative shit. when she wakes up in the in the from the sequence, we see uh, J Lo and we see Edward, Edward in there. They're suspended in. There's a lot of suspension in this movie too, so they're suspended in midair yeah. in these red suits. Uh, and let's see if I got anything. They look like here. they look kind of like 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 uh, some like some muscles. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, they look like they got some muscles on them, right? And they're kind of like sinewy. You guys see that on the screen there? Yep. All right. Cool. Yeah. So they're wearing. They're wearing those, and I, I put a picture there up of uh, Bram, Stoke, Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula, Ooh. played by Gary Oldman, and he's wearing a very, very, very similar suit, like basically the same damn thing. It just cool. kind of probably it was probably laying around the lot uh, at the studio or something at New Line They're Cinema. Like, bro, they're like bro, <laughs> Jalo in this thing. Yeah, yeah. Have like, Yeah, definitely. So you can see all the Pretty curves much. there. Very. Very, uh, I think, done on very much on, so on purpose, right? For for the viewer here, and J Lo is put on display in this suit uh, for us to all to see very nicely. But there's a, there's a lot of other stuff put on display in this movie, and we'll we'll get to all those cool things. I don't have a lot of slides of that, but you can clearly see J Lo there in a bodysuit um, on the slide that we have for you. So she's being a uh, did, did it go down the wrong windpipe or the the wrong pipe? It's the popcorn. Yeah, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, that should happen to me all too okay, long. Hopefully, yeah. You gotta hack that motherfucker out. There's always a kernel that gets stuck, and a little skin of the kernel, you know. Yeah. Either that, or it gets stuck in the teeth. You know, it's a uh, it's tough business eating popcorn, but mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's the, right in the gum between the gum and can't the watch teeth. it. Can't watch a movie without it, really. I know. But uh, so so the parents are um. They don't have any proof. They they don't believe uh, what Catherine is doing is is beneficial. You know, there she comes back and says, "Hey, I've been talking to your son in this dream world, and this is what we're doing, and all this stuff." But there's absolutely no way to prove it without him, you know, coming out and saying it. And so he's comatose in this uh, situation, yeah. and she can't. I think it's hocus pocus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They, they have no anyway. proof, right? And so he wants to cut the. He wants to basically cut the the or the funding or the experiment and move his yeah the funding there you go that's what I was you know saying regular um basically I guess like a regular hospital or some sort so at this point you know um, her character in the movie is you know butthurt or whatever Uh, Mocky Luck has been a pain in her ass she can't like break through to to young Edward in that those regards and so um, and and it's funny you guys know the uh, what's it called the uh, like the callback sequences when they're when they're uh, trying to bring her out of because she's obviously in some sort of drug induced state and then she goes into uh, the mind of her patients or whatever mm-hmm. right through this technology that they pump yeah. up with certain drugs and she's able to enter their mind somehow and we kind of see some visuals of that later on in the movie which is pretty cool but early on you don't see that she's just already in there uh, yeah yeah she's highly skilled yeah. at doing that. Yeah, exactly. They just you don't have to explain it. We don't need to know how she's in there. She's just in there that way. You know, yeah, that's I, the viewer. We already got it. The less they explain on that, the better it is because they're not yeah, getting Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, they, they exactly like I know 
You put her on. They mentioned like a few drugs. They mentioned like some sort of yeah. psychotropic drugs. They don't even mention like what it is exactly. You kind of see it on the screen, like when they hit the levers. But that you know, they're not. They're not. Yeah, some type of oxy, oxy, oxytocin. Yeah, and then it's they bad. get. Then they goddamn float. They start to floating. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. they pull the they pull the tables out from underneath them, and they're suspended in the suits, and they're just like floating. And I I don't know. I guess that's supposed to give them some sort of sense of weightlessness like they're not there out of, out of body experience right I'm sure. I'm sure. yeah so pretty pretty weird stuff but um i Who's guess the in the dreams next... like bogey heads flying exactly yeah. crazy when i'm flying it's almost like i'm climbing like stairs in the air like just invisible like it's not like like you know i kind of sometimes it's hard to run it's like that's so it's like am i flying or i'm just like climbing through the air and then, then i'll be yeah, like I get that in dreams it's hard to run, but you're never out of breath, huh? You're never out of breath, but it's hard to run like you're in quicksand or something. You know, it happens a lot, I feel. Man, I didn't notice, but the Edward's mom is a smoke show in this movie. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, I had not noticed. So I guess on the next scene, we kind of pick up, uh, there's like a turtle in the field, but it cuts to the side of the road, this you know, hmm. stretch of highway kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, I think we find out later it's in some sort of... Uh, Country road in California, some sort like of some rural area, rural area, rural area. There's always some sort of rural area in these uh, killer movies, isn't oh, there? Oh, for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> you see, uh, you see, like a Ford pickup truck, like bluish in nature, driving along the road. There's a white husky dog hanging with its tongue hanging out the window. See our guy step out. He has long. Uh, ish shaggy hair about you know, ear to shoulder length um, and he you know he's dressed like if he you know he works at maybe like maintenance at these uh, water pump facilities that he's stopped at right now he's parked you see him walk in it's a dark corridor um, you know the, the dog is, is with him I think the dog kind of hangs back or whatever but you know that it it's like I guess an abandoned water tanker of some sort attached to a building I'm not too sure uh, it's definitely is... it's definitely a place that a, a serial killer would frequent. <laughs> There's a lot of these in Texas. I feel off to the side of the you know the road. Well, there's a lot of killers in Texas, man. Yeah, we used to go. It was uh, my buddy had a place that was on his property, and there was a big shack, and we just used to go hang out there. And it's basically something like this, just kind of that's, abandoned. That's that's kind of creepy, but that's kind of tight when you're a kid, though. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, bro, let's go. <laughs> got a place to shack. Go. Exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take uh such and such to the shack. Nobody bother me for 15 minutes, you know. I'm gonna be over the shack. <laughs> so <laughs> um so yeah, so he walks in and we here's where we meet. Uh we find out later his name's Carl, right? But we meet Carl, and as soon as he walks in through the dark room, we see a tank on his left filled with water, and a drowned victim is in the tank. Oh no. Um, and this character is played by Vincent D'Onofrio, if I'm not. D'Onofrio. D'Onofrio. Okay. Can yeah, never say it correctly. He's awesome. Like, but uh, this guy, yeah. He's, he's amazing. The Punisher. I mean, he's a. Uh, he's, he's the king kingpin. Pin. Yeah. In the Punisher and, series. And also, for years, I watched him on the Special Victims Unit at, 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 at Law and Order. He was yeah, really good on that. He played. He played. Uh, I thought was he one of the investigators. I think, but he was just so good. Like he. His, He's just a trippy dude, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, really good actor, uh, especially in this film. I'm not gonna lie, he, he yeah, he kills pulls, it in here, pulls it off literally, right on, on yeah. film. But 
good stuff. Hey, so he's, he real cre- he's real creepy. This is right where he jacks <laughs> off, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right away, jacks off to the dead body. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah, so we, we oh, find a, a drowned female victim in the tank, and uh, you know he places his hand on the glass, and he stares at her, and then suddenly the body starts convulsing, and there's another shock moment, I think, where the viewer is kind of stunned because we find out that this guy is, one, a killer, Two, he's drowned somebody in the tank, and then we're staring at him in silence. Like, what's he going to do next? There's several tripods and cameras positioned around and some monitoring equipment that we can see from, you know, the angle that they're showing. And he's staring at at the the drowned body, and I I think he's starting to get aroused or something. And then she convulses like she's still alive, and he freaks out, and he runs behind the... um, the, Just rigor mortis. The the monitors, and... uh, yeah, because you know, freaking out. Rick Mortis is when it like it like uh when it stiffens when the body up. Gets so right there, that could have been like the last little because you know when 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 the when the body expires, it releases all kind of shit too. So like that could have been just the last little you know, yeah. Yeah. But so. she drowned, like she drowned. That's just a very violent way to die. Like, you know what I mean? Like your yeah, lungs fill up and you you know what I mean. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's tough. Um it just seems like a very sad Pretty way to they play the. When yeah. I say violent, I mean like the way the you know what it does to the. You know what I mean? Because you're fucking. It's quick if you don't see it coming, but if you're locked in a tank for for twenty four hours or oh, something yeah, like true. that, or forty hours or whatever it is, I think it's forty hours. I'm not too sure. Um, but anyhow, it's creepy. Carl. Yeah, Carl. Oh, he turns the. Uh, yeah, it is forty hours. The clock, though. You're right. He turns the lever, and uh, you see a pump on the outside of the facility above ground. Out, you know, you know, release water, and it starts to drain the tank. And then we cut back to the hospital scene, and it appears that Edward's parents have had a change of heart, and they decided to let Catherine continue her work uh, with young Edward. But she's all stressed out, and she's talking to her coworker Miriam, who's the other scientist. It's Miriam and Henry are their names, and um, and they're just discussing, you know, uh, you know, just different uh, different aspects about the the Edward case. You know what I'm saying, and and how. Um, He's living in a in a world that's not healthy, and you can kind of see Catherine's perspective on how she's really siding with with the boy, and it's she's taking really close uh, attention to this case and getting very attached. Uh, and so she wants she suggests that she should reverse the feed and allow Edward to come into her mind, so that she, you know he can trust her, and that way she can deal with Maki Lock herself uh, in in her own way there, or maybe not even have to deal with him at all and bring him out of that coma comatose state. And, and so that's what the discussion is here before she ends up going. Uh, home for the evening but yeah that that they talk about her being exhausted and having nightmares and things of that nature we'll find out I mean, that yeah they, she's she's it's like <laughs> going into the minds of of you know what i mean of uh you know the, those for lack of a better term like you know what i mean the um, less mentally stable <laughs> well yeah in this case yeah. i mean she's she hasn't gone into uh, any killer's minds or anything like that she's only gone into the little yeah. boy's mind but you see things that nobody else is supposed to see. Like, imagine if, you know, the things that you keep hidden are just out there in the open for every, anybody to come see, right? So that's exactly what happens to her. She's not, nothing is hidden from her in, in the person's head where she goes. And therefore, characters like Monkey Lock or whatever, which is potentially the virus that's causing this comatose state in the little boy, uh, you know, that's, that's what she has to encounter there with, like, no, you know, disregard for anything yeah, it's really trippy, really trippy stuff. So as we move on, we see um, we're, we move on and we see uh, Carl grab the body and kind of throw it in the back of his truck, and he's going to move it 
to another location and we'll get to the scene here that I pulled up on, on it momentarily. But while this is happening simultaneously, JLo's character is at home and she like lights up a joint, which is super freaking cool in this movie. Right. And she's in her underwear and here, here it is on the slide guys. So she pours herself a glass of milk. She has that old school uh, Apple computer with the colors. Remember those at the late nineties? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, so I put it in another small box in the corner. She's token up there and uh, she's in her underwear for no reason. I just uh, like to believe that yeah, for, this... for a reason for a reason of a booty shot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this time, this, you know, when she opens up that fridge too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't shot. find that one on the internet, but this is the best I could do right now for us. So just enjoy that and keep that up there for a while while we talk mm -hmm. about uh, the scene. And I'll, I'll there walk you us go, through lads. It. So, yeah, yeah, love Jason. So she, she's token up inside her house or whatever, and she uh, she's getting ready for bed and kind of just de-stressing. Uh, obviously, you know, I would de-stress in the same way, and you kind of see. Um, you know, some clippings on her desk about the billionaire son who, you know, is get, she's getting the funding from or whatever, uh, that he's in a coma. She's looking in the fridge for something to eat. Here's the patented booty shot. Sorry, you guys can't enjoy this with me, but maybe you can catch it on the reflection of my glasses. Uh, and we notice we know she has a cat, blah, blah, blah. But it's interesting, though, because she does go to lay down in bed and there's a movie that's playing. And it's a French film called uh, Fantastic Planet. And I saw this. It's on Max. And it's, um, it's a very interesting film. And there's some imagery that's involved in this film that we see later, um, kind of tied to certain elements in, in the dream world of the killer. Uh, but there's also elements from that film that you see in a Nine Inch Nails music video, Closer, where there's two characters and it's two little girls and their hair is tied to each other and they're pulling each other apart. You see that in that Nine Inch Nails music video. And then we see some imagery like that later on in this movie with um with one of the dolls when she opens up one of the rooms and the hair starts a mechanism that you know allows a door to open but anyway some small subtle things that kind of pull that stuff together but the movie on the tv when she's falling asleep um is called i think it's called fantastic planet let me get to my notes here uh wow we came all the way down here we're moving at a good pace here yeah fantastic planet from 1973 and uh, that's like a french noir type of type of film and she's kind of like giggling and laughing and you think it's because she's, she's stoned but if you ever watch that movie it's fucking tripped out <laughs> and i saw movie? it yeah i've seen it and i saw it in french uh because it's just dubbed in english or what i mean it has the subtitles in english at the bottom or whatever but yeah it's a tripped out movie i saw it um a couple of months ago in houston like i was at my sister-in-law's house and everybody was like asleep and i was like what's this i'm into real artsy things and foreign films as well. So um, it was interesting. It was really, really interesting. It's like the humans were captured by these giant aliens. And so these giant aliens keep them as pets. And then the, the humans time is like evolving through like centuries and these giants or whatever, like time isn't even passing by. So there's like a whole fucking civilizations rise and fall and they get all advanced and finally able to take out these people. So anyways, uh, fantastic planet really tripped out you should watch it if you're ever really high or, or on mushrooms or whatever really really crazy but that's the movie she's watching in the background here at this point i just wanted to to bring that up because i thought it was really cool that i had i was watching this on the replay and i was like holy shit i've seen that weird movie so <laughs> i've never seen she, yeah fantastic planet 1973 uh, i think it's on max if i'm not mistaken that's where i saw it so she slowly drifts off to sleep and the wrinkles in her bedsheet kind of become these sand dunes in the desert from where she was at the dream sequence at the very beginning of the film. And I guess this is kind of like a comfortable, uh, like 
scenario that she kind of continues to go back to and draw draw back on. Um, so so yeah, she drifts into that sequence right, uh, and, and she's back at that tree, and um, it's here that you know she asks if Edward is hiding in that hollow portion of the uh, <laughs> of of the. I guess the the dead tree and that's when we get that image that we saw earlier with the little boy it looks like a reptile or whatever the hell so is it this one hold on let's go back this one right here so that's when he pops out and scares the fuck out of her in her nightmare but you know we see edward's face as well um earlier in the earlier in the in the in the movie um so yeah she's obviously having nightmares and it's obviously affecting her <laughs> and we get another uh, scare sequence here when when the because uh, leading up to the scene it's just a dark hole and we don't know what's going on and she kind of like leans in and then this guy pops out and it's the second time we see Edward or AKA Maki Locke um, you know manifest himself at one time in Edward's mind and then this time in um, in her dream so it's having an effect on her obviously Maki Locke is in a sense you know made his way out into her head and it's kind of foreshadowing what uh will happen later on in the movie in a, in a way all right moving right along so let's see um she thought that boy was scary wait till she sees what's coming to her after that <laughs> the boy is nothing yeah and so during this whole uh this whole time this sequence it's cutting back and forth to um what carl's doing he's like preparing the body that uh the victim that was in the tank um so he's you know, bleaching the body and, uh, you know, washing it on a table. And you see, um, I guess, a uh, like a logo or a trademark of the company or whatever it is on this on this table. And they kind of make a point to, to show you that. And they'll show it several times because it'll come back and be a, a key point in the detective's investigation later on. So the, the director's kind of making it fairly easy for you to kind of draw some conclusions uh, and, and make some guesses as to you know how they might figure this out and so when it's cutting yeah. back and forth these scenes right he's finally washed the body prepared it laid it out on the table and then you see this chains hoisting up mechanism and then it you see like this weird pinhead type of oh my god it's somebody being hoisted up through a bunch of piercings on their flesh <laughs> and it it's our yeah it's crazy <laughs> it's our serial killer Carl, who's now suspended by these hooks that are, you know, pierced 14 or 16 piercings on his body. He's playing the uh, the video of the victim drowning, and he's masturbating on top of uh, her while this is all happening, uh, like a crazy sick. Yes, he was. All of that, all of that's culminating with the dog barking and then a loud train, uh, you know, going over the tracks or whatever and we see ambulance and police and there's a whole scene here because because apparently they've discovered a body and this is where we start to get introduced to uh some of our other characters on the police side it's by the bridge right of the uh, of the narrative here yeah so they're by the bridge, the bridge uh at this point of yeah. the of the movie they've They've cut, they cut from that weird scene where we're just like, what the hell is this guy doing? So he's very, he's masochistic. He's obviously hurting himself and enjoys it and gets off doing it. And he's like cleansed this body and laid it out on the table. And, you know, he's not even physically touching them or whatever. It's kind of, kind of odd. So we get this, you know, weird dynamic and a little inside look as to what the serial killer has been doing at this point. 
Uh, and now we turn it over to the other side, the law enforcement, the guys that have been tracking this person down. Uh, and so now we meet Detective Cole, uh, Special Agent Ramsey. And I think it's funny because his name is actually Gordon Ramsey, which is weird. Uh, oh, yeah? But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, Terry Lee. Uh, and then we also meet Vince Vaughn's character, of course, which is uh, Detective Pete, Peter, Peter Novak. Peter Novak, correct. <clears throat> so... We're, we're doing all of this uh, stuff here. They, uh, they're determined that and all of this stuff happens. They, they determine there's um, tire tracks that match the scene in Reno, which apparently is where one of the previous victims was from or something had happened. Uh, he dumped the body there at the bridge and he scraped the side of his vehicle on the bridge. Uh, so there was some paint that was left on the guardrail in the process. And then uh, they break down some of the other details like, the victim's appearance you know she looks like a doll she's been bleached they give a little bit of the details of the case Vince Vaughn is young and skinny here which is pretty cool um it's not the, his usual uh funny guy you know sly type of character he's a little more um uh I don't know like buddy uh, hero sleuth you know it's a, it's a different role for him in this movie I feel um in the year 2000 so Vince Vaughn making a, a, a his first appearance here, roughly you know thirty minutes into the movie, but uh, introduced to like I said, all the detectives. They're laying out all the evidence for us. They're letting us know you know uh, stuff about the body where he dumped it. And then towards the end of all this stuff, they're gathering stuff. They're taking pictures. They're doing forensics. Uh, everybody else is talking, and then Vince Vaughn is character. Like we finally get a feel that oh he's in charge because he finally says something at the end there and. Uh, he, he asks, you know, hey, has the water always been this low? And then, like, you know, that, and once he does that, everybody kind of, like, looks around and he indicates, that kind of helps to indicate that, you know, he's in charge there because he hasn't said anything at this point. And he's been just, you know, very careful, you know, taking, and he's, taking everything in. Yeah, and he sounds, and, and, like, knowledgeable, too. He sounds like he's looking, thinking outside the box, like the, the, uh, the other guys weren't. Right. Yeah, for sure. I, and so that's why I got yeah, there's an image of the victim that we're talking about here. And so this is her while she's being cleaned up uh, and all that stuff before he takes her and, and does his thing. And then afterwards, he dumps her. And then she's uh, basically this same image, but she's rotted a little bit. There's flies and she obviously stinks and, and things of that nature. He's placed a collar around her neck, yeah. uh, which is important uh, later on. You'll see as well in some of the imagery that's inside his mind. But uh, that was happening during, like I said, the J-Lo sequence and then there's the image like i said of uh found they found the body in the shallow water and then he uh he indicates this later on that like you know that that's also important the fact that the, the body's in shallow water the fact that the truck scraped the side of the, the guardrail um oh yeah they do all the forensic wants to get caught yeah exactly so he's he that's what novak is thinking here you know uh you know the victim resembles that doll that's another important key aspect of mm -hmm. of their investigation but Daddy didn't like him playing with dolls. Yeah, that's who that's knew. <laughs> and so all this stuff comes to light later. Dad was, that's crazy. Right, go ahead. No, no, no. My no, bad. You had to order a pizza for the kids. Oh, you're good. Dad, daddy wasn't there, or maybe Daddy was there in this case. It was Mommy who wasn't there. But we'll we'll get to all of that a little later on with um with our Vic. Car, uh, I'm sorry, with our perpetrator. But yeah, uh, that that time of the year, you know, the water is always low there, so he dump the body there on purpose and mm -hmm. uh and we get like i said the indication that novak or vince Vaughn's character is in charge here he's just asking for all the 
forensic evidence and he's making all these correct inferences and, and whatnot. So mm-hmm. they're like, oh, he's in charge. He's yeah, you think the what's his face? Um, I forget the guy's name. I had it here right now, but uh, Detective Cole, the guy with the mustache, you think that he was the main dude or whatever, or the bald guy? I'm sorry, but no, he's taking all the orders there. These uh, these are top notch FBI agents, you know, on the case here, and it's we're obviously dealing with a guy who's killed not only this instance, but they've mentioned the instance in Reno. And so, in the next scene, we get uh, we get another look at our killer, and it's you know, it's weird. Most most of these movies, you don't get. You don't follow the killer right along all the way. You don't find out who the killer is. And they're just blatantly telling you, like, boom, this is the guy, you know. And mm-hmm. so he's watching his next Vic basically taking notes, rubbing a little doll. And he starts getting this uh, weird, like, noise, oncoming migraine. And you see him reach mm-hmm. into his glove compartment, pop some aspirin. Yeah. So that's going to be another recurring uh, theme, having to deal with trauma and, and the bringing on certain um, schizophrenic mm-hmm. things. Right. So cuts to the diner. All the all the detectives are getting together for some coffee. You know how they do. And uh, all the forensics evidence is in. So they're reviewing the forensic evidence at this point. Typical things, water in the lungs shows that she drowned, but there's levels of rust and all that stuff. So it doesn't make sense that she would have drowned, you know, in the river, in a shallow mm-hmm. river. Uh, but there's kind of a break in the case at this point. They found some follicles, hair. like a weird white hair, but mm-hmm. it's hair from a canine it's a dog mm-hmm. so and the, the victim the victim uh Weeks. marianne hixie or whatever her name is uh she didn't have a dog so, no so and, off they go to get the the dog hair like analyzed uh they're slaving over it they in the morgue the they got the toe tag on the, the slab of the vic right next to them they're you know they're taking all the all their free time is dedicated to this case and uh Sure enough, they come up with some sort of diagnosis. He says some weird word like hypolemiosis or whatever the hell sounds like a Harry Potter term. And he's like, it means it's an albino. <laughs> There's a complete absence of, of melanin. <laughs> so it makes for a rare, a very rare, uh, very yeah. rare dog. They'll narrow, they'll narrow that thing down. So that's like a yeah. real big break because they're like, hell yeah. Who the fuck were who who has albinos on deck? <laughs> you know what I mean? Boom. You can start asking questions though. That's right. So, gentlemen, they have a lead. And then uh it cuts to a parking garage. The elevator's open. The girl that Carl was watching uh exits the elevator. There's nobody in the parking garage, dark and gloomy, right? <laughs> Typical sets up this scene to be real mm-hmm. creeped out. You know something's gonna happen. She grabs her pepper spray and she's walking to her her vehicle scans the parking lot and you see Carl's truck. We already seen it before. She walks right by it on the way to her little blue. I don't know what the hell that little crap car is, but it's like something Ned Flanders would drive. Easy. Mm-hmm. It's like a geo or something. The Flanders mobile. Uh, exactly. But it's a convertible. So it's a little, it's a step up. It's Flanders after mod died. <laughs> yeah. So here you're thinking, okay, is he in the back seat? You know, is he whatever? And then yeah, all of a sudden thinking. she's back. Yeah, she's backing up, and she looks, and there she sees in her side mirror a, a white dog flapping on the floor. <laughs> if, you look close, if you look closely at the scene when she's down, you can see that there's actually a brick behind her tire mm. And while she's petting the dog. And then she notices it right after you. Carl's standing right behind her as she picks mm. up the brick, and he nabs her. Chlorophyll, mm-hmm. or I don't know what. Probably chlorophyll. Yeah. Classic, what, classic. And, and I hear that that doesn't really work, like in real life. Yeah, 
I mean, yeah, dog did a great acting job. I heard that that doesn't actually work though. Or even oh, like that, that dog was like, just you know, just just pissed like whipping someone doesn't doesn't like fuck him up super badly in movies. <laughs> well, in this case, it might have knocked her out, but probably should have. He probably should have gone with that, but he took the other approach. So yeah, it is what it is, uh, and we're left feeling horrible. The music was great there in that little mm. scene. You know, uh, the suspense is driven, and then we get uh, we cut to our detective. Novak, who has been sleeping in the office, brushing his teeth out of a cup, getting all this stuff, getting ready to go uh, prep the entire division on <coughs> what they found out about uh, or the latest breaks in their case. So he's like, breeders of German shepherds and Ford dealers. I need everybody to do their freaking job. You know, he's like yeah. gung ho about, you know, getting this stuff done quickly as possible before this guy strikes again. Little does he know. And he said that he only waited six days before his last Vic the last time. So they are trying to get a jump on this guy. And it seems like he didn't wait that long this time. He dumped the body this time, and then he goes straight out and nabs his next victim. So he's moving a lot quicker. Maybe the migraines are coming a lot more frequently. The dog hair thing was sloppy, according to Novak. Uh, he leaves uh, Vixie, Marianne Vixie, in a foot of water, or three feet of water. And so... Um, Not good. Yeah, he's saying, hey... He's this guy's either going to keep going like at a crazy rate because he ain't going to stop himself and he wants us to stop him. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's what our, our Vince Vaughn detective, Mr. Mm -hmm. Novak, uh, poses it's to the is good in here too. I like how he's over the top all the time. Yeah, he's great. He's great. Like he's, yeah, great. like the, the way he plays this character. Yeah. Like, so um, let's see. They visit the, oh, right. So at this point, uh, Novak meets with the unit, right? Um, He's been sleeping at the office where he talked about that. And he figures the killer is getting sloppy. Then he goes to the latest victim's home to try to gather information. So at the home, he's talking to the mother, trying to see, like, does anybody ever have any kind of motive? You know, has anybody been watching her that she complained about? Uh, things like that. And then so while they're doing this, uh, Gordon, which is Novak's partner, gets a call. And, and it's funny because I was telling I was telling Nelly that his name's Gordon Ramsey. This detective. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I know that name, but I'm so high. I'm like, where do I know that name, Gordon? He's Ramsey? a, he's a chef. chef. He's, he's the you're an idiot sandwich, right? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, okay, Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, so that's this detective happens to have the <laughs> he same put the bread on him. <laughs> you're an idiot sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> so this detective happens to have the same name. Uh, he gets a call about the match for the dog breeder and a guy at the DMV matches the 92 Ford pickup to the paint that they found at the scene. And somehow that, that all, both of that connects to our yeah, guy. Car. Like, they got him. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, baby. We're like 30 minutes into the movie and we've solved the case. Yeah. Game over. This Woo! one's going to yeah. only, only two killings, a little bit of suspense. No problem. They're going to catch him. All right, baby, let's go. All right. So we think. <laughs> So the, the FBI finds Carl's home. They stake it out. They have it under surveillance. Uh, the, you know, this guy, uh, Rams, <clears throat> sorry, Novak and Ra uh, Ramsey and these guys are flown in on a jet to get to where, to get to where they need to go. Mm. Uh, they have SWAT outside surrounding the, the house. Um, you know, they've been there for like 20 minutes. Yeah, how far did he dump the body from in relation to where they, where they, where they said he was at? I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I'd have to go back and check because I know that later on in the film they use a helicopter to get where they need to yeah. get to. So okay, it's, continue, probably, continue. it's probably like third, like you know, thirty to sixty miles, something like that, and they try to get there fairly quickly via yeah. air travel, maybe. So yep, and there's uh, a bunch of those, there's a bunch of those little ass airports everywhere, bro. Like in, in oh, uh, sure. California, and you know what I mean. 
Yeah, and this movie is taking place in California. I yeah. think we failed to mention that, but um, yeah. that is what's going on. I, I mentioned rural, rural, yeah. When we got rural California, I mentioned it. So uh, Novak is going over Carl's file while en route to his his home. Carl is just chilling in his bathtub. He has an empty bottle of aspirin, <laughs> and he's singing a little ditty. And I don't know if you guys picked up on what that song is that he he sings a couple times Ooh. throughout the movie. Yeah, I wrote it down hot. here towards the end. It is called. It's humming. Oh shit! Did I put it in this one? Oh, I might not have written it down. I think it's called um, Mares Maresy Dotes. Okay, does it's a mean, little Maresy Dotes? Maresy Dotes. M A R Z Y D O A T S. Maresy Dotes. Where did I write that? I know I wrote it somewhere. That's the name of the song. That is the yeah. name of the song. Never and heard so of it. It's it's a bunch of gibberish, is what it is, uh, and all the words are meant to sound like it's gibberish that's meant to sound like um, other words. So, for instance, M A R Z Y space D O A T D O A T S Mares eat oats is supposed to sound like mares eat oats, and so the whole song is a bunch of that crap like it's gibberish but it's supposed to sound like other stuff if you make it out correctly and so designed for people to sing this song and think nah it, it, it's like this mary's eat oats <laughs> exactly exactly so but it, it's like not yeah. right and uh i think it's the it came out in the marvelous miss Maisel just recently uh by some guys called ah uh, damn i forgot what they're called the something pipers the pied pipers uh recently redid that but it's a tripped out little old school tune from I think the 1950s or something. Hey, this shit, this shit just reminded me because like um, my girl's mom, right? She's like, oh, she's out, you know, she's a old, uh, old old school Filipino lady, you know? but she's mm-hmm. like, oh, the Bone Tug song, the Dodgers <laughs> playing ball, you know what I mean? But it's the thuggish ruggish bone, right? But she's oh, like, yeah. the Bone Tug song, the, the Dodgers playing ball. <laughs> she thought it was the Dodgers <laughs> playing ball. It's Everybody hears their own words, their own lyrics. Damn, dude, that is hilarious. Yes, bro. Okay, so like, me dying, bro. Here it is, Marzy Dotes. Uh, I think it's M A I R Z Y Dotes. But anyways, it's a novelty song written and composed in 1943 by Milton Drake and some other people. It contains lyrics that make no sense as written, but are near homophones of meaningful phrases. The song's title, for example, is a homophone of mares eat oats. So weird little thing that I didn't know, but I looked up today, which I thought was, I was like, what is this motherfucker singing? Yeah, that's the truth. Did you say say homophone? Yes. Or homophones? Homophones. Homophones. Yeah, I think I said homophone by accident, but I meant to say homophones. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, tomato, (laughs) tomato, potato. (laughs) So the Dodgers playing ball. Now I have that in my head. (laughs) <laughs> so <clears throat> back to back to his apartment they're saying hey there's some, he's like what's going on novak asks the the swat and there's like nothing just some activity in the kitchen meanwhile this guy's having these weird rah, noises that are you know going on in his head he's like having moaning. These, yeah he's like moaning, yeah. moaning seizures like he, he can't just, like move, 
walking seizures. He's naked with all these piercings in his back, soaking wet from his tub, looking for, I guess, more aspirin. Yeah, because the bottle, his bottle was empty. Yeah, it's disturbing. Yeah. Disturbing. Yeah, and, and yeah, like he needs to whether those things are working or not, he needs to get to them. And he ain't for making sure. it. Well, I think so. I mean, you know, the the headaches seem to be getting more frequent. The aspirin's the only thing to be keeping them at bay. And then it all kind of culminates in this instance, like the SWAT, the SWAT team's like ready to go in. They start, you know, busting out of vans and uh, from around the school. I think he lives like right across the school. So they even come in from like the schoolyard uh, through the back alley. They bust in and they're looking all over the place for for this guy. He's there. He's on the floor. Yeah, everything's clear. And the one dude who comes in through the kitchen, like just pauses and, you know, holds his gun, doesn't say anything. Uh, and I think he just kind of stares in shock and stays down in the kitchen for a while. And everybody continues to run through the house. And finally, the rest of the SWAT comes back and they show Carl uh, butt naked, you know, on his face, face first on the floor with all his piercings exposed. And he's a very pale, tall, uh, uh, big kind of person, you know, uh, with like this weird... Uh, Amish, like what's his face, uh, and Kingpin kind of hairstyle, so or any, like, uh, Dumb and Dumber, right? <laughs> yeah, like something like that, kind of like Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, it's kind of an odd uh, hairstyle choice, so it just kind of gives him like this boyish feel, but he's creepy at the same time. Anyhow, yeah, he's, they put a, him, he's a real weirdo, he looks like a, a real, nice real weirdo. Never bothered anyone. I mean, exactly. You know. He, it, it, this was a, this was definitely, uh, this was nature. I mean, not nature. This was nurture. It was the problem here. <laughs> this wasn't, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we'll, we, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. And so, no, they, they put him in a stretcher and they ship him out. And Novak's like, I want two men on him at all time. I don't even want nobody to touch him. I don't want so much as a thermometer up his ass. <laughs> like, like I, love how, I love how over the top he is through this whole movie. Like, he is not fucking around. <laughs> This one's yeah, my favorite, man. Takes it very serious. Yeah. He gets yeah, down into the basement. They're, they're combing over all the weird shit that's in the basement. We see several dolls uh, without faces and animals mm -hmm. kept in little clear containers with messages written on the wall like, are you sick? And a, a doll with bird skull instead of a regular person's head and random little... Yeah, you know, weird shit that you don't like to see when you're in a in somebody's yeah. home, which you definitely don't want to see when you're in somebody's home. So it gives seven vibes, basically, mm -hmm. like when they're when they go into the crime scene and look at stuff at this point, because uh, they've yeah. already nabbed the serial killer and they see that the slab tables where he would wash and bleach the bodies, and so they're basically at the place, but there's mm -hmm. no bodies there, and so de Detective uh, Gordon Ramsay or Ramsay Gordon maybe. Um, hits play on one of the old school VCR TVs that's there. And it's a four way oh. split screen of the, uh, of the latest victim who drowned and you hear her sad, sad cries, mm. uh, her last moments, uh, calls to her parents and, um, mm. referring to herself as the little baby and being daddy's girl. And it just gets very, very sad. I, I almost yeah. wanted to fast forward this point, to be honest, because mm. when it gets you, it gets you like that. It's, uh, it's very hard to watch. And, and it just uh, just means yeah, they're doing their job. When they're, it, may, it means they're doing their job when they when they make these movies. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, he really. Um, yeah, the dude. Uh, yeah, it's it's really dark. It is. It what's is. It name? is. So um, the, the, uh, this dude Tarzan. What's his name? <laughs> uh, you're pretty close. Tarzan. 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 
No, no, yeah, it's a, a tar, tar, tar Sim or Tar Tar Sim Sing. Uh, we're pretty close, Tar Sim. Uh, so, anyways, it cuts play. to it cuts over to our latest victim who has been kidnapped. She's now awake and she's trapped in the cell with it. Only has a toilet, a sink, and a slab for her to like sleep on. I think he provides her with some food and some water uh, for a little bit. So there's a little bit of hope of survival. Survival, mm. excuse me. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's just an extended form of torture. Uh, and so now we know we're like, oh, man, there's not hope for this girl. Now we're now we're set in for the, the second hall here. They they have Carl at the lab. The, uh, the neurologist, Dr. Cooperman, uh, has kind of informed them about the situation. He's saying that, it, you know, regularly this type of schizophrenia, these areas light up. But when they have this Walton syndrome or whatever it is, you know. He's basically gone. Yeah, he's and he's no, he's, veg, no he's a vegetable, of, right? No form of psychotropics yeah. are going to bring him back. Like you can't even, like you know, even if they were to try to wake him up, you know, his mind would be gone. So um, he's veggies. Yeah, and then he explains it like he's probably exper experienced some of these symptoms for a long time, and they they just been kind of getting worse, and then some kind of trigger uh, trauma brought it on, usually brought on by water, uh, mm -hmm. and, and then. Vince Vaughn is saying that, you know, he can't just be catatonic, right? He, we have to, there has to be something we can do or mm -hmm. something like, you know, something. Vince Vaughn's ready to go in there and just slap him around. Pick some ass. <laughs> Wake yeah. up, motherfucker. He's like, he's like, how long is this going to take? And he's like, could be forever. And he's like, you know me. Uh, and he tells Vince Vaughn's character, you know, he's like, you know me. If there was something I could do. And then he has like a thought. He's like, oh, I know. And that, my friends, is where... We will leave off for Act One of Silver Screen Breakdowns. So make sure, guys, if you are listening, yeah, if you're following along live, hang out with us here for a second still. We will get to you, and I will shout out everybody else in the chat when we get to Act Two. If you're listening uh, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, make sure to check out Act Number Two to come to follow. Bogart, Mr. Bogart, Scott Free, let them know where to find you. Hey, you can find me at the GMM Network and... uh Find me also on the 420 Fantasy Network. You know what I mean? Check out all the good fantasy content and uh, check me out wherever you consume your music. Search Bogart's Guy Free and all that. Spotify, give me money. All and right, you can Nelson. find me on YouTube, Nelson Ties. Find some of my acting, demo reels, you know, montages uh, of stuff that I've done in the past. And then uh, Instagram, Nelson Tynes underscore. That's T Y N E S. And you can find me posting here and there. I got lots to post, actually. I just haven't posted much lately, but I got things coming up from acting to the music and um, some fitness stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Fitness cool. bits in the tank. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yes. Sweet. And tune in next time for Act Two of the Silver Screen Breakdown, The Cell. We got the weirdo. He's the comatose veggie state. Vince Vaughn ready to slap him, wake him up. What are they going to do? Tune in next time. Peace. Silver screen emoji picture shit. This ain't a dream, we really live this shit. Don't intervene, yo, we with this shit. That's where the most high, we the most lit.